by my partner Brandon Averill today. Disclaimer, Eric Averill and Brandon Averill are the co-founders of AWM Capital. Due to industry regulations, it's essential to explicitly state that investment or strategies mentioned on this podcast may not be suitable for you, and you should discuss your specific situation with a qualified, certified financial planner. All opinions expressed by podcast participants are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of AWM Capital or its affiliates. For more information, visit AthleteCEO.com. Hey there, Athlete CEO listeners. I'm your host, Eric Averill from Athlete Wealth, and you're listening to the Athlete CEO Podcast. Each week, we aim to bring you world-class interviews with some of the brightest and successful entrepreneurs, athletes, and business minds today, sharing actionable insight on how to get more out of your business, finances, and life. You won't be hearing any vague theory or strategies from us. Our guests have walked the walk and are committed to sharing the best of what they know so you can apply the lessons they've learned. Whether you're an athlete, entrepreneur, or just looking to hear from some crazy successful guests, this podcast is for you. Now enough with the intro, let's dive into today's show. If you're a professional athlete or an entrepreneur looking to master your money, business, or life, this podcast is for you. On today's episode, I chat with Ryan Madley, co-founder of The Gallon Gear, whose company mission is to help the world drink more water. In addition to co-founding Gallon Gear, Ryan is a leading real estate expert with more than a decade of experience. During our conversation, we discussed the hurdles his team had to overcome when launching their prototype, how he is thinking and staying ahead of the rapidly changing internet marketing trends, and whether we are doomed to repeat the 2008 real estate market crash. So I hope you enjoy my conversation today with Ryan Madley. Take us back to the beginning on Gallon Gear. You were sharing with me before we started recording. You found it in 2014. What was the idea? Was it just you? Did you have some buddies? How'd you come up with it? Yeah, for sure. So, um, started it in October 2014 is when we actually started selling the product. So, obviously, there's a lot of planning and you know time and effort that went into it prior. Um, and definitely had some buddies involved. So, it was one of my good buddies um, that was in and out of the gym all the time. And he was always carrying his you know gallon around and trying to get his gallon of water in a day. And, you know, had his pockets full of his phone and his keys and his wallet and everything else. And he always had piles of stuff kind of laying next to him. So... Uh, you start tinkering around with the idea of putting it on some sort of gallon to have all of your stuff in one place. So he uh, approached me and one other guy with, um, you know, kind of the idea. And it's like, hey, I kind of put this little, uh, you know, prototype together. What do you think about it? And immediately when he showed it to me, I was like, you know, wow, that's pretty cool, you know. So, I mean... I've always been open to ideas and, you know, we've all kind of tried our different things, but I kind of felt like this is something different. So, um, I totally told him I was, you know, down to get involved and help invest in it and, uh, push it forward and, you know, fast forward, you know, what, four years later almost, here we are. And tell me about the prototype, you know, from the very first one to what we're seeing sitting here today, how different is it? What was that process? Yeah, so I mean, it's got um, a lot of similarities. I think we've really just um, changed a few things to make uh, it more functional and more durable. Like uh, the key uh, strap used to be kind of up here and it's kind of tugging on the neoprene. So it was like making some issues there. So we put it in this stitching. Uh, we adjust the pocket a little bit to make sure it can hold some of the bigger bones. As time changes, people are getting, you know, the iPhone pluses and all that stuff. So it'll support most of those phones. 
um, and then just really trying to customize it to fit a gallon of milk, which is it's great for. And then we also start creating our own bottles that um, you know people want to BPA-free options, and they want to cut down on their plastic waste reduction and all that good stuff. You know, so yeah. How uh, I mean, how well does it work? You know, like what are the stats on it? Does it keep it that much cooler? Obviously, being here in Arizona, this is this is a godsend. Yeah, so I mean, it does keep it quite a bit cooler, you know, as uh, you're out in the summer and you're trying to get your gallon in, you don't necessarily want to be drinking a hot gallon, but it is also 115, <laughs> 20 plus, so not very many things are going to keep it ice cold all day, but it definitely does keep it a lot cooler. Um, so it's nice to have all your stuff in one place, especially when you're at the gym, you know, if you uh, like to work out with uh, Bluetooth headphones, you can really have a hands-free experience and have nothing in your pocket, so yeah. Uh, it's been pretty cool. How, uh, as far as the process, I was on your guys' website. It looks like you guys have trademarked this this product. I mean, when you look at it, it's like, oh, it's it's a koozie for a gallon of water, yeah. right? You know, it's it's fascinating to one of those things that I love just about entrepreneurship that you would assume, oh, like that that idea has been done or taken. What was that process to go through the trademarking and have? Do, are there other competitors out there, or what, what's that landscape? Yeah, so first off, you know, like you said, it seems like such a simple thing that some people, they see it, they're almost like dumbfounded, like they can't, (laughs) they can't get their head around it, you know, sometimes they're like, where were these guys, you know, smoking whenever they come up with this because it seems so simple, right? So, um, that, uh, that is kind of the concept behind it, but basically to start it all out, I mean, we had to go through all the patenting process and the trademark process and all that stuff, so, um, whenever entering into, you know, a patent process, you meet with your patent attorney and decide, you know, kind of what directions you want to go, do you want to file, you know, a design or utility patent, you know, what would be the best for you, and then you start having to come up with a name, one that's not already out there, and do all kinds of trademark searches on the names and things of that nature, so there's a lot of time and effort and cost that went into it up front in the beginning. Um, before you can even start pushing forward with, you know, bringing any kind of product to market. So um, that probably took us a good, you know, eight to 12 months before we actually uh, were able to find a manufacturer um, and have a product that would even, you know, put out there with all of our trademarks and protection as best we possibly could in place. Um, since we did create it, you know, there's been some few kind of knockoff attempts here and there. Um, but we've pretty much been the market leader and obviously having our attorneys kind of following those other guys around, sending them friendly letters and all that yeah. stuff. <laughs> trying to scare them away a little bit, but with the way things are with, you know, China and Alibaba and all that other stuff, it's easy for people to try to copy almost anything that's out there. Yeah, of course. For you, uh, for you guys launching it, what was the, uh, what was maybe the most difficult part of the process that maybe you didn't expect with launching it could be the physical product or just even the business in general i mean i think i know from my standpoint and our partners starting a business and going through it right you can read as many books as you want and then when you start actually doing business um, that's the best education you can get what were maybe a few of those stories that you can think of when you guys first launched yeah like you said um, i think just jumping into it you don't really know what you don't know until you get in the middle of it but I think the hardest part was, uh, since it was such a new concept and there's nothing else out there like it, it took a little while to start gaining some traction. So it's the, the whole thing of, you know, I don't want to be the first person to be doing something and maybe somebody thinks I'm silly or, you know, whatever the case may be. 
to now that, you know, the majority of the people out there that are carrying gallons and, you know, at least have an idea of what it is, or a lot of them are using it, you know, so I think that was um, a key. And we got really lucky because we started putting ourselves in position to, you know, even though it was expensive, we started going to a lot of the big shows like the Olympias and, you know, the Europas and the Arnolds and those kind of things. And some of the bigger social media influencers, um, you know, would come and approach us and they either had bought one already or they seen it and they're super excited about it. So as opposed to like a clothing line or a supplement line or all those other, you know, companies that there's a million of them, they were just happy to use it and promote it just because it was something that they liked and it wasn't something that we had to pay them to do. So we still have some of the biggest, you know, social media um, influencers out there in the bodybuilding space that, you know, just push our product for free because they like it and we just send them out new renditions whenever it, whenever it comes out there. And I mean, getting started too, after you, you know, spend all your money on your trademarking and your attorneys and, you know, trying to get your website up and finding a manufacturer and how many different renditions of your uh, prototype that, you know, cost to create one that actually kind of works for you. You know, you have a lot of money and time invested in it. So once you get started, you know, you're, you know, just trying to do as much things that you can without incurring a ton of overhead cost. Yeah, trying to run that lean startup is <laughs> yeah. super important. And I think, you know, obviously you guys put your money where, where it should have been on the trademark process. Yeah. And, and we all know that uh, attorneys don't work for free, yeah. you know, and they, they do a good job of protecting their legal fees. So um, the fact that you can get influencers who actually genuinely love the product to promote it, not just for a paycheck. You know, we see that in the athlete space of, um, there's that tension a lot of times where companies are trying to grow and they'll approach our clients um, for an endorsement deal. And from a, our clients' sports agents, a lot of times it's, it is purely financially driven. But every once in a while, we'll see clients um, tell their agents, hey, I don't, I don't care that I'm not getting paid. I love this product. And you know that's exciting that you've got some of those influencers who come to you and say, no, I'm already using it. This is something I want to be a part of. So, so that's great. Beyond the, the social media, um, what are other outlets are you guys selling in? So obviously a big presence on Gallon Gear, so everyone can check it out, at Gallon Gear on Instagram, Facebook, same thing. Um, and then we obviously migrated into you know the Amazon space because there's a lot of people on there looking to purchase our product and we we're getting a lot of requests for that. So. Um, we are now selling uh, all of our full gallon covers and all of our BPA-free gallons are available on Amazon. Um, so that's been a, a big outlet for us. And um, we're starting to get into a lot of gyms, nutrition stores, you know, those type of um, retail outlets have been just kind of hitting us up uh, naturally from seeing us, you know, being at those expos and seeing us online and seeing other people have it. So. We're in quite a few of those um, across the U.S. We're starting to sell a, a decent amount internationally, which is interesting. Um, as you know, most places outside the U.S. are on the leader system, right? So they don't really have gallon-type bottles. So this is pretty interesting to them. And so now they're, you know, I think creating a big hype and a demand for a gallon-sized jug, which we have the only durable BPA-free gallon on the market that's out there right now. So we were uh, wholesaling uh, another company's 
gallons for a while that looked pretty cool, but they were super lightweight. And if you drop one, you know, it's almost eight pounds or eight pounds of water weight is going to break most of the time. So yeah, yeah a lot of people are like, oh, your guys' gallons have problems. Well, we're like, first, they're not ours gallons. And the only reason we started selling them is because you guys kept asking us for it and we post pictures. But um, we wanted to do better for our customers. So we went ahead and, you know, bought a mold and created our own, you know, EPA-free gallon that can withstand that. You know, eight pound water weight drop. So, wow. I think that you know says a lot about our company. Really wanting to do whatever we can to give our customers what they want. And, you know, have a product that we can stand behind. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fantastic. As far as what's that process been like with Amazon? You know, mm-hmm. they, they have some other friends and a, a client that uh, that owns a supplement company, and you know, so much of their sales are online. Pretty much ninety five percent of them. And they've talked about this tension of Amazon actually cannibalizing some of their other sales online, of course, but they're the necessary evil. Yeah. Um, but, you know, suppressing margins, you know, how are you guys thinking through that? Did you start to see that and just say, hey, it's it's the inevitable. So let's let's have a presence on Amazon. How did you guys think through that process? Well, versus getting a product on Amazon that is, there's nothing else like it was a huge challenge because usually you can go on Amazon and be like, okay, what kind of product type do you have? Like what ASN numbers match, you know, and like you can list it under a different basically parent account with a different variation. But since there was nothing like this out there, we had to go through and create our own basically, you know, product description and line and all that stuff. So basically like hours and hours on the phone with Amazon just to try to get you know one of them available for sale yeah so once we went through that process um, we, uh, we we trial and error a bunch of different things but we started getting all of our colors on there we actually had a, another um, company that we were allowing to sell some online we started selling on there and we started noticing our Amazon sales are going down but theirs are going way up so we're like wait a sec this doesn't make a lot of sense to be competing with ourselves on there so yeah to eliminate that, we're the only you know person that's able to sell on Amazon now. There's no sense in creating competition for yourself. You know? Yeah. So um, we went through that trial and error, and we've tested. You know, you can obviously you know Amazon Prime or Amazon uh, Seller Fulfilled Prime. So we've thought about all those options. Um, we actually started testing Amazon Seller Fulfilled Prime, but the way that Amazon works is they force you to use their basically shipping fulfillment. Uh, platforms which are way more expensive than the ones that we were doing and they force you to do you know basically like two-day shipping on everybody so sometimes <laughs> our, our product retails for $29.99 we have to get Amazon their cut and then they're on you to get this product shipped out through their platform within two days sometimes the shipping is like 20 or 25 bucks you're like losing money to do that yeah so it made no sense for us to go Amazon you know sell fulfill prime maybe someday we'll go Amazon prime but you obviously have to give them more money which it doesn't really make sense for us to do because you can't get it faster anywhere else anyways, right? Yeah. So like typically if you're looking for a product that like, oh, this one's not prime, this one's not prime, this one is prime, I want this one, right? But it's not going to be that way for us on there. Yeah. Wow. Fa- yeah, that's fascinating. <laughs> as far as your guys' approach online, I mean, I, I'm always fascinated meeting companies um, that have a physical product because you've been forced to not only be really a physical product company, but almost like a digital marketing company or an online, you know, company with, with the sales, where have you guys found your best opportunities? What's the biggest challenge online? If it's a specific platform or just kind of, as you see the space moving forward to be able to sell stuff online. 
I think it's just been a combination of everything and kind of as mentioned when starting out our budget was a lot less you know for advertising than it was so you know we started looking at all the other platforms like you know obviously you have your website and then you could try to drive by google adwords things of that nature which i think that's probably one of the most expensive things besides you know print and media advertising so we're like oh no, don't necessarily want to do that so you know first of all we just start trying to hit up additional influencers because we saw the ones that were using and liking it were like oh driving quite a bit of traffic to our site and you know getting some hype on our pages so then we started kind of running around and hitting up as many of the bigger social media you know people in the fitness you know or extreme weight loss or those type of uh, arenas try to get as many of their hands and get them promoting um, so we started creating you know promo codes and things of that nature for those guys to you know, offer a discount to their fan base and then they get a discount on the website and then they can earn a little commission if they're you know an ambassador or athlete with us so we started hitting that pretty hard and then we just started really uh, figuring out kind of how much money we could push into you know Facebook advertising so that's really where we started and as a lot of just a B testing figuring out you know you know how are we going to get people on our website to see this what's the most you know cost effective way to do this so running all the different ad types you know different pictures images videos all that stuff and then we started moving more into uh, Instagram advertising as well Facebook owns Instagram so a lot of the ads are connected so we're still running um, a lot of our Facebook ads on Instagram and we have separate ads that we're running on Instagram so, I mean, every day it's it's a, a new A-B test and with all the new uh, regulation out on Facebook on who you can target and all that stuff, you know, can throw some curveballs your way. So, yeah. I think as soon as you think you have something figured out, something could change, right? And then you got to reinvent yourself. Yeah. But um, it's definitely been interesting for us. Yeah, wow. So, for you, I mean, obviously, you're a user of your own product. Where, where do you train here locally? What do you work out at? I work out at the, the Village Gaining Ranch. Oh, yeah. So, um, it's kind of a higher end gym, so it's not as many people in there running around carrying gallons of water. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't get to see as many of my customers as I'd like to, but whenever I go to the more, you know, bodybuilder uh, type gyms, like Independence Gyms or, you know, some, some of the ones like That Gold, some of those other ones, there's a lot of them in there. So, yeah. it's, it's pretty cool when you see people you don't know that you know are using your product yeah not a lot of tennis moms walking around <laughs> with the gallon jugs no, even no. though even though we all should, should you know should. it's uh, yeah, uh we were chatting that we had interviewed eric cressy on here uh prior who's to me just you know one of my mentors in the health health and fitness industry and sports performance and we were just talking about the translation for business people of you know being a former athlete i would have never kind of not prepared, right, for, for my sport, whether it's my nutrition, um, hydration, and those type of things. And yet in the business world, we'll roll into a day massively dehydrated, right? Mm-hmm. He had posted something that um, he went to bed at a certain weight and woke up about eight pounds um, lighter, complete dehydration, right? And it's the number one cause of fatigue is lack of water. And so um, it's just, it's funny. It's, it'd actually be really cool if that became the trend, right? Walking into a boardroom or into this meeting and boom, here it is. So <laughs> it's a lot more, um, can, it's more acceptable to carry it in with it covered up and looking nice than, you know, your own milk gallon stuff jug, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it creates a lot of conversation. And, um, uh, I mean, we're really just getting started as far as, you know, scratching the surface of, 
you know, where this could go or who's using it. So yeah, it's definitely fun. And, and as far as obviously this is like a, this is a festive 4th of July cover here. You guys give the option to customize these things or is it at this point it's, Hey, we have some different types to sell, but you haven't got into the customization per like client. So we have a couple options. We have, um, I think it's probably around 17 different colors of the gallon and probably oh. like seven to 10 different colors over half gallons style um, gallon gear. Both of them have the same functionality. Um, and um, for certain companies or if you place a certain, you know, large order, then we could custom brand it for them. Usually cool. have a you know, 250 unit minimum or so to do any kind of custom branding. Mm-hmm. Um, then we have a lot of smaller like uh, gyms or teams or whatever they want to do with some of their own custom branding stuff on the, on the yeah. side. Uh, we were at the Lube Fregno Expo last year, and they had a bunch of them made for you know Fregno, you know Expo, which is pretty cool. Yeah. And so we're starting to do kind of more themes. Like obviously we have the American one, and then we came out with the thin blue line one, um, which we were really excited about. A lot of people were asking us for, it, and um, so we kind of wanted to get in, more involved in the community and see what we could do to start giving you know back more. So. That thin blue line one, a, a portion of sales go to the David Glasser uh, Association, which was that police officer that got killed, you know, a couple of years ago. Yeah. So um, we're starting to do some things like that, which I, which I'm pretty proud of, and you know, are pretty cool. Yeah, that's that's exciting. Well, you know, I, I love hearing all about this, but this is like your side hustle, <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, so yeah. Um, it's fascinating to me being a business owner. I, I absolutely love these concepts, um, and it probably translates straight into to what you do full time in the real estate industry. Walk us, walk me through, you know, what your what your passion is right now, what you do really full time. Yeah, so I mean, my main passion is real estate and uh, helping people purchase or refinance, you know, or move money around or pay off debt or whatever the case may be to, you know, help accomplish their financial goals. And obviously, a big passion of mine is, you know, fitness as well. So I've been, you know, trying to work on kind of blending the both of those. But been in, you know, the real estate industry for 18 years now, majority of been the mortgage business side of things. So we've obviously been through you know, the downturns and the crashes and, you know, all that fun stuff. And now we're kind of on the other side where, you know, things are expanding and blowing up again. So, um, can pretty much help anybody from, you know, the first time home buyer to, you know, the seasoned real estate investor that's buying a much different property. So access to all those programs and uh, platform to do that. Yeah. What, uh, I mean, being in the industry that long and seeing kind of the mortgage crisis and, and being on this side of it, there's, a lot of conversation and I think it's more uh, media driven and, and lack of education but a lot of people are saying hey is the market getting too hot are we are we headed for the same disaster again from your opinion you know why should that not be a fear or should it be a fear what are your thoughts around that well um, kind of the thing that created the old disaster was you know the banking and the loose limits and people you know fraudulently making things up and you know you had the guy, you know, working at McDonald's or whatever the case may be and saying he's making $100,000 a year to qualify for some house that he's putting no money down and he's got a 580 FICO score, you know. So you start thinking about that and he's buying two or three or four of these types of houses, right? So he can't even afford to have one, but he's buying four of them. So uh, any hiccup or bump in the road, you know, is going to put that guy into a situation where he's got to let his house go or short sell or foreclose. So... That's kind of what we saw happen. I mean, and it happened to a lot of good people too that put, you know, a good chunk of cash down, you know, they just bought kind of at the right time. 
but um, it had to do with the amount of people I think that had no skin in the game and had no business, you know, purchasing um, the amount of properties or the, um, you know, a property amount or purchase price that they were buying in. So this go around, I think uh, a lot of people kind of learned their lesson a little bit more gun shy, but. Um, you know, most of the loans that we're seeing now, a good chunk of them are putting a large down payment down. There's a ton of people that are paying straight cash on these properties. So, um, I don't really see anything like happened, you know, before happening again. Um, at some point, will the market maybe flatten out or not be so aggressive as it is now? I mean, it's kind of has to be right. Cause we've been on a pretty good run here, but I don't see, uh, I don't see happening what happened in you know 2006, seven, eight happening yeah. again. Yeah. So even for a lot of our clients that come through it, and most of our clients are, are in that category of ultra net worth, <laughs> the one thing that's so interesting is when it comes to real estate, you can be as a sophisticated investor in a lot of areas, but when you're buying your first home, um, it, it's always an experience to say the least, right? And I think one of the, the things that you come through is very similar to our industry in the financial world, there's 300,000 financial advisors, right? There's, yeah. there's a lot of us. Um, in the mortgage lending space, there's tons of lenders as well. And so a question we all often get asked is, how do you navigate between who's good, who's bad? Doesn't matter. Should they just be looking for rates? You know, talk to, to the audience of when they're looking through purchasing a home, how important their lender is. Yeah, I know it's a great question. So first of all, you're trusting someone with usually, you know, the biggest or largest asset, you know, purchase of your life. So um, it can be a lot more going into it than just shopping online and find, you know, who maybe have a, you know, eighth lesson rate that, you know, doesn't have a lot of skin in the game. And so um, there's a lot of good things that you can look for. Um, first of all, you know, a lot of the big banks and things of that nature, the loan officers can pretty much walk in, maybe do a little bit of a training and then call yourself a loan officer, they don't have to get licensed. So there's really no license requirement through some of those big banks. So where if you're working with a, you know, a smaller bank or a non-depository bank like ourselves, we actually have to go through the process of getting licensed, you know, um, do all the education and keep that up, you know, so that, that makes a huge difference. Um, also, a lot of those people that are in those call center type environments, which you may be getting an eighth of a rate more, don't have, uh, the team behind them or the skill set to, you know, maybe put your deal through or qualify you for the best program or a rate that you may have available, you know, a good, a good uh, uh, explanation or example of that would be, you know, self-employed borrowers, right? There's a lot of business owners out there that make a lot of money, but um, as anyone knows that runs a business, there's usually a lot of money that goes out the door too, right? So um, for most loan officers, they see a self-employed borrower, they, you know, take a glimpse at it and if, depending on what it's showing is income, they go, oh, you don't qualify. Well, did they take the time to get all the different, you know, parts of that tax return and schedules and read through it all and figure out what, you know, income that they can give back to them through uh, the expenses and things that they have out. And many times, you know, the people that are making a lot of money are getting turned down and they, they shouldn't be, right? So there's a lot of opportunity for us to help educate the community out there that, you know, just because somebody tells you one thing, don't necessarily take that for an answer. Maybe they have some sort of overlays or they don't have the programs that we have access yeah. to, you know, so. Um, it's something we run into a lot because our clientele, being professional athletes and then business owners mm -hmm. is that exact thing is, is we joke around is, the person who's got you know two two pay stubs and a W two employee at whatever at McDonald's, you know, 
is easier to get a loan than sometimes uh, our professional athletes. You know, we, especially when you start to move into the jumbo space of, we had a, a client all-star last year making around 3 million bucks, has over a million in assets, but um, has been penalized almost for being fiscally responsible because he's never owned anything all right, already. He has only one credit card. Um, and he rents from another teammate and he's in the big leagues and obviously we'd all love to have his financial situation um, in the jumbo loan you know the trying to get him alone was sorry we're, we're not going to do this and his home purchase was like a three million dollar home yeah you know and so you've got to find people that that can understand that and then even on the business side being a business owner myself going through um, getting a, a home equity line to just uh, to redo kind of redo uh, a portion of my house. The hoops I had to jump through to get a tiny amount of money out of out of my house. Um, it literally got to the frustration point that I'm like, I just I'm, I'm not even going to deal deal with it, you know. Um, and it's it's very interesting because I'm sitting there going, I'm the person that you should probably you know, lend money to. And so having people like yourselves who can navigate that information is, is super helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely helpful. And then having access to the team that we built, which takes a lot of time and energy, you know? So when you start working with a lot of people that are trying to buy homes, you know, people aren't just shopping for homes, you know, nine to five, Monday through Friday, right? Most of the action is happening after hours, holidays, weekends. So they need to have people available to, you know, answer questions update pre-qualification letters, those type of things that, you know, get them what they need to be able to get an offer, especially in a hot, you know, seller market like we have now. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about, you know, real estate agents. It's, I think that's another area where it's, there's hundreds of thousands of them, right? And a lot of time, every time uh, somebody comes to us and says, hey, I want to buy something, it's usually, I've got a cousin or I've got an aunt or a friend who's a real estate agent. And I know obviously some of your best referral sources sources are great um, real estate agents talk about how important a real estate agent is and maybe where people can turn to to find good ones yeah i mean having an agent is huge first of all if you're buying a house it doesn't cost you anything to have that representation so it's not very intelligent to not use one right so you need someone on your behalf you know negotiating trying to make an offer trying to help you look for you know hey what's you know maybe you should get an inspection done you know this ac doesn't look too good this roof's got you know some issues you know you're probably looking at about this much money, you know, to repair this house. So definitely a no brainer to have one on the buy side and sell side. But I think it kind of goes back to the same thing that we have, you know, it's always, you know, working with a, a real estate team versus an individual, there's way more benefit uh, as far as marketing capabilities, people that are going to be available to show you properties, um, you know, the amount of marketing that goes into getting your home so that a team is providing versus like a single agent that's your brother that does it every once in a while and just market knowledge on the area that you're looking into, you know, so I would definitely research agents and I always have a lot of recommendations that I could give to you on some yeah. of the biggest high producers in the area. Uh, I think the team, same way, and the mortgage of things are going to really outrun all the individuals just because there's no way that an individual can ever keep up with what a team's doing for, for one buyer or seller, right? You got, you know, five people working on your behalf or you got one part-time uncle that's got another job, right? Yeah. It doesn't make sense to go with those ones and cheesy guys. Yeah, absolutely. Shifting back to a conversation you had, you're part of a team, like you said, you you know, you have a few business partners. Talk about, you know, just what that experience is like. You've been in business for a long time. You could have made the option of, hey, I'm just going to be a solo 
kind of producer and be my own thing. Why did you choose to be a part of the team? What are what are those dynamics? Well, I think just because, you know, I've always been a giver and I always want to do the best that I can for my customer. And I, you know, at the end of the day, the word, your word is all you have, you know, and if you're not backing up what you're saying out there, then you don't really have anything. So I always wanted to have somebody available to take care of my customers or take care of my agent if they need to get a pre-qualification letter for their buyer so they can get that offer, get that house accepted. So I think me just wanting to uh, provide the best service and options that I can is how I went into the team arena. Um, and it's always a work in progress, you know. Um, I feel that I'm best out with meeting people and uh, meeting with my agent partners and, you know, helping make the phone ring and bringing in the business. And um, there's people that are stronger than me at actually, you know, digging through the tax returns and those type of things and the paperwork stuff, which I don't enjoy doing as much. So, and then just having people available all the time is really the only direction as far as, as far as the team thing goes. And been fortunate enough to, took us a while, but we've kind of created our own little mini bank atmosphere, whereas uh, a lot of different lenders, you go in there and, you know, you have the loan officer, will take the loan application, they send it off to their processor, which their processor is in a different state or different time zone that adds delay. And then their processor will put everything together and then they'll send it over to their underwriter who's in a different location and time zone that adds more delay and there's more, you know, hands in the pot that are, you know, not communicating on the same level as us. And then you have your doctor responders in other parts of the state or the country. So there's a lot of different pieces that go into having a loan sign off on and funded. Whereas we went through and spent the time and effort, we have our own underwriter that works in our office just for our team. So if we ever have any questions or need them to do anything, say, hey, can you look at this for us, right? And then we have our own processors, processor assistants, doctor responders, all that that work, you know, on our behalf only. So, I mean, we can be as fast as possibly allows. I mean, we can close a purchase, you know, start to finish in 10 days if we need to, which wow. is kind of unheard of out there. Yeah, that's flying. Um, talk to me about technology. We, we see a lot going on, right? Of course, there's, there's I mean, rocket loans as quick and loans is a big deal. Um, I have a I have a close friend who's founder um, Maxwell, which is actually more supporting lenders um, than it is going to direct to consumer. But how do you see technology affecting your guys' business? Is it something that you guys are proactive with, or is it you know really solving two different two different types of clients? I think there's um, different kinds of people and different kinds of things, so you have to have. Um, something for everyone type thing and I think Rocket Mortgage has done a good job of kind of creating the image of that happening even though it doesn't work as good as they say that it, it does um, so but you still have people that just want to click a button online and feel like they're getting you know approved which most of the time they're not um, so uh, in combats to that you know we have something similar where obviously you can go online fill our applications you can pull your credit and then pretty soon you'll be able to issue, you know, your own pre-qualifications or your automated, you know, uh, asset income verifications, all that stuff. So that stuff is coming and it should be a lot stronger than what Rocket Mortgage has. So I've aligned myself with the company American Financial Network that's kind of on the front end of all that stuff and that's really what attracted me to them. And I think we're really seeing uh, a lot of the companies that may be older or uh, don't want to make those adjustments, you know, pull out of the market or merge or get out. Um, I hear every day, you know, a couple different lenders that are local here closing, you know, 50 branches or 100 different branches or, hey, these bigger banks are moving out of these states or, hey, this one just merged with so-and-so. So there's a lot of movement going on out there, I think, and struggle to, you know, position for those type of things. And 
I think it's a combination between having access to, hey, I want to fill everything out on my app online and I you know, just want to get it through as quickly as possible, but then have somebody that's you know, not your call center LO sitting in a queue making 15 bucks an hour team behind you to figure out that situation and actually make it happen. So Yeah, I mean, being able to pick up the phone's huge. Yeah. You know, it's, we love the convenience. It's interesting in the financial world, I think we see this a lot. There's a there's the sell of this like easy window, but when money's being transacted, it slows down no matter what. Oh, yeah. And so having someone that you can actually pick up the phone and call is worth, you know, and I'm not even saying there's a premium on, on your guys' rates or anything, but that's a large part of when I talk to our clients is, is like, hey, you're gonna get sold a rate that doesn't really exist anyways, yeah. and good luck getting people on phone calls because your complex situation is gonna send off red flags. So yeah. having that personal relationship is huge. You know, um, Being sensitive to time, just a few more questions. What I love is your experience working on, on Gallon Gear as far as the marketing side of it has to be beneficial for you of just even bringing awareness to your personal brand and what you're doing and with your company. Are you personally online? How can people find you? Yeah, for sure. And I think you're 100% correct. You know, you, you follow all the big people like Gary Vaynerchuk and, you know, Grant Cardone, those type of guys, you know, and I think um, they're great influencers. They're good role models in that space and what they're trying to do. Um, but you can totally find me on uh, Facebook and Instagram at Ryan Manley. So, like you said, um, it's kind of forced me to jump in and try to be as big as a social influ you know, influencer as I can to help get the word out. I've been doing you know, a lot of different videos and things, answering a lot of questions on my YouTube channel, Ryan Manley as well. So, they can check that out if you want any more information on you know, some of the questions or things I've answered out there. If there's information that anybody wants from me or has questions they want answered, feel free to reach out to me on any of those platforms also. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to chat a little bit today. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having Thank me. Thank you so much for listening to the Athlete CEO Podcast. I hope you enjoyed our show today and are ready to take action on the advice from today's episode. Our goal with the Athlete CEO Podcast is to make it the go-to resource for athletes and entrepreneurs looking to take their game to the next level. Love the show? You have any suggestions on how we can improve? We'd love to hear from you. Send us an email, tweet, and share your thoughts. We do our best to read every single one. We'll see you next week with another world-class episode.